Welcome to the Mission Connect podcast, a podcast all about ordinary people doing extraordinary things to fulfill the great commission of Jesus. Our goal is to help you connect with God's mission for your life. So get ready to be inspired, challenged, and move to fulfill your mission. And now here's your host, Finu Ike. Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of the Mission Connect podcast. My name is Finu Ipe and I hope that our time together today will inspire and encourage you to connect with God's mission for your life. Friends, my guest today is Crystal Lavallee. Crystal is the founder of I Am Compelled, an organization with a vision and message to bring to life the stories of bravery, selflessness and courage of Canadians throughout history. Crystal is driven by a passion to inspire a new generation of leaders towards leading a life of good deeds and responsible citizenship. To date, I Am Compelled has held assemblies that have been viewed by audiences of 10,000 plus in all school boards across Manitoba, Alberta, and Ontario. She's also the co-executive producer of First People's Voices at Crossroads Communications. In today's episode, Crystal talks about how being compelled about God's mission for your life will cause you to take crazy steps of faith to make it happen. She shares the incredible challenges she's faced along her journey of seeing her vision come to life and the thousands that are being impacted by her ministry. Friends, I am so excited for you to hear this conversation that I've had uh, with really uh, a woman of faith uh, who has gone through some incredible challenges on the road to connecting with God's mission for her life. I left this conversation inspired, encouraged, and just believed believing that God is able to do all that he's called us to do. All we need to do is trust him and rely on him and believe the vision. And as Crystal says, and I'm using her words, take some crazy steps of faith. And so I hope you'll be blessed uh, listening to this conversation. Remember that the Passion to Reach International School of Ministry has launched. So check out prism.study, that's P-R-I-S-M dot study for more information. We've got some great classes happening in the next few weeks. So check it out. Uh, and I hope uh, you can join us for one of those upcoming classes. With that, please listen to my conversation with Crystal Lavalie. And I am so excited to have Crystal Lavalie on the Mission Connect podcast. Crystal, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Finu. I'm at work, so there might be some craziness in the background because such is the life of production. <laughs> That's awesome. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about the production. And I love it that we're in a place of activity because we're talking about moving into the things of God today. So, uh, Crystal, you're doing so much. You're, you're, you're running I'm Compelled. Uh, you're on um, media with First People's Voices. Uh, and I can't wait to get to that part of your story. But before we get there, Share with us, what was your encounter with Christ uh, when you really just, just surrendered your life, committed your life to Christ? What was that like? Mm-hmm. Well, growing up, my, my parents, um, you know, they, they got married not because they were in love and that they loved Jesus. They got married because they were pregnant with my older sister. Okay. And so my mom ended up having this cool encounter with God that led us, my sister and I, to have a cool encounter with God at a young age. And so I just remember being 
um, at different church meetings where this little French woman with a thick accent, she would come up to you and she would say, do you know Jesus? And, you know, I don't know, even know if that even justified that accent, but she prayed for us and we experienced the power of God in those moments. I remember feeling blue electricity or seeing blue electricity on my, in my stomach when she put her hand on my stomach. And, um, you know, that led to other, other things that my mom had put us in such as camp. So we ended up going to an overnight camp where I was sitting on a damp log underneath the stars with an open fire. And the, the worship leader was singing the song, purify my heart. Let me be as gold as precious silver and um, refiner's fire, you know, and it said, I just felt a weight had lifted off my shoulders because although my mom had encountered God, my dad was still in the party lifestyle. So there was always a war zone in her. Right. So to all of a sudden be in this safe, safe place at camp in creation, God's beautiful creation. He took all the pressure, all the burden off, and he replaced it with incredible love. And I just began to cry. And a counselor came up to me and said, hey, do you want to receive Jesus in your heart? And I had received Jesus before, but when you're a teenager, you can actually make that decision. And um, in the midst of chaos and confusion growing up at home or just you know, the fighting back and forth, I found my solace in the presence of God. So I would lock myself up in the bathroom and just worship, just sing songs, write songs. They weren't very good, but, but they, they ministered to the Lord's heart and, and in turn that ministered to my heart. So I didn't really need to go any other direction except into his presence. So that was, that was a bonus. <laughs> well, that's amazing. And that's the, that's the work of the Holy Spirit, especially in your teenage years, that, uh, that you would just, uh, you would spend your time doing that as opposed to being out uh, with, uh, you know, with the, the rest of uh, your peers doing whatever, right? That's, um, that's a miracle right there. Yeah. Now, how did you go from just making a commitment, loving on Jesus, singing to him, writing those beautiful songs? How did you go from there to wanting to do more than that, more than, more than just being in your closet praying and talking to Jesus to wanting to tell other people about Jesus and wanting to step out and serve on mission for God? Mm-hmm, absolutely. So um, my personality was always pretty radical as far as all or nothing. And okay. um, even in high school, I, uh, my grandma had passed away and gave us a little bit of an inheritance. So I used a small portion of that to host uh, a gala for all the graduating girls in my class. Wow. And um, just a beautiful night. I told them all to dress up and they were just smothered with, with God's love. And a lot of them wrote me letters afterwards saying that they were going to take their own life, but then they didn't because they realized their value. And so, you know, during that last year of high school, someone had advertised a discipleship training program for one year and they advertised it like this, you know, give up one year of your life for God and see what, see what he can do. And I said, challenge accepted. (laughs) So I ended up moving from Burlington, which is a predominantly probably Caucasian community, to Brampton, um, which if if people don't know, you know, it's not Caucasian. That's right. (laughs) There was a little bit of culture shock. Yes. um, I just found myself immersed in this, uh, this 
Bible college that's so focused on worship and reaching people for Jesus. I found myself doing these human videos, which is basically a drama to music in Hindu to reach out to people in the community (laughs) who didn't speak English, but we were doing these human videos so that they can know that God loves them. And a man stood up and and he said, you know, as long as I can remember, I thought, Jesus was only for the white man, but now I know that Jesus is for everyone. <laughs> wow. So it's just, and you were what, 18, 19 at the time? Uh, 18, 19. Yeah. That's yeah somewhere around there. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Now, what makes somebody want to do that? Like, I'm just trying to understand why would you take a year to do that? What compelled you? What was the driving force? What was the sort of the, um, the belief system that you sort of embraced, obviously, that, that forced you to do that? Mm. So I would say, um, I just, I just think that I kept saying this to God. I said, either you are the greatest truth or you're the biggest lie and you can either do anything with nothing. Right. And if you can, here I am. (laughs) So I wanted to give God that first, you know, a lot of my friends did university college, which I think is fantastic. Education is so important. I said, but there was this conviction in my heart that said, God, show yourself. And as big and as real as you are, I want you to move inside of my life. And I just have the faith to believe that you can do anything with nothing. And um, I said, so here am I, put myself on the altar, um, you know, put myself before the Lord and said, what could you do if I laid down my life? I said, and blow my mind, like, what could you do? And so from that point till now, literally consistently, mind blown every year (laughs) about how God can put you in strategic places because of obedience. You know, I just want to make a comment here, Crystal, because I think this is an important point that you made, uh, even talking about taking that step of faith uh, versus, you know, going to college, university. And again, I mean, my background is Indian. So, Mm. you know, we're like super focused on education. Like for our parents, I always joke, growing up, our parents used to say to us, listen, you can be anything you want in this world. Doctor, lawyer, (laughs) Or accountant, I think it was, choose, right? And I'm like, dad, there's a lot more things in this world than those three professions. But that was them, right? It was like, no, you've got to go to university. And I remember when God spoke to me when I was 17, 18, I was in the Middle East and said, you're going to go into Bible college, you're going to go into full-time ministry. Hmm. And, uh, you know, everybody around me was like, you're crazy. Like, it doesn't make any sense. And I'm not, again, I'm not saying every, that's for everybody. I'm not saying that that's the path for every person uh, that follows Jesus. But for me, God had spoken to me so clearly. And I remember people saying, it's never going to work out because you're never going to get uh, the the doors open to you because you just don't have an education because in their mind that's the that's the key and um, I'll never forget sort of similar to your story when I was 19 or so started preaching and traveling and doing crusades internationally and people are like how is this happening and, and my point here is just to say even though those who are listening to this podcast uh Obedience. When you're obedient to God for his direction for your life, there's no saying. Now, listen, if God doesn't call you to do it, don't do it because it's not going to work. But if God does call you and he puts that passion in you, um, there's no saying what God is able to do. So uh, mm-hmm. that's amazing, uh, Crystal, that you took that step of faith. And so where did that take you? So after that year or two years, uh, what was the next step uh, on your journey? Mm-hmm. So um <laughs> I just think that's awesome story, by the way. I wanted to comment on that. Uh, is that it's uh, our next step in the journey. Sorry, I'm a chick, so I have like 8,000 thoughts going through my head. Um, so, so this is great. Uh, I ended up just diehard. I said I was just diehard passionate. Um, there were some moments 
you know, looking back is that I said, sometimes it's easier to do education. Sometimes it's just right. easier to do that way, yes. to go that route. Um, but for me, I said, I wanted to follow the passion of my heart and I wanted to live purpose every single day. I said, I didn't want to be a slave to money. I said, even the apostle Paul said, whether I have much or little, um, you know, it's always better to have much, like it's, sure. it's good when you, yep. you know, but, um, to learn the, to learn to be content in both situations. So I ended up traveling, um, going into the States to be a youth pastor in California, learned wow. some street smarts, um, okay. really impacted the youth in the community. I mean, one girl, she was, uh, they put her with me every Thursday to mentor her. And I know she's just hard, hard heart because her dad was in jail for murder and her mom was in jail for, for something. I think it was drugs. And she just, did not want to talk to me. And I remember she sat down with her arms crossed, slouched. She looked me up and down and she said, you don't know me. <laughs> and I, wow. in my really green Burlington small town, <laughs> I had said, who's Chew? Chew can come. <laughs> so after, <laughs> so after yeah. six months of just loving on those, those youth who were from broken backgrounds, they, um, you could see their you could see God doing a work yes. inside of them that only he can do. And when you see that before your very eyes, you're floored, they're floored and you're going, this God that we serve is real. And so from there, my contract ended and I felt the Lord kept waking me up in the middle of the night and I would yell Canada. <laughs> and then I'd say anywhere but Canada, Lord, anywhere but Canada. And the, really? the position, you know, that I had in California um, I mean, there is favor there and I could have had a nice life just staying in the States and ministering mm -hmm. to these kids and having fun in a diverse community. But again, the next night, the Lord woke me up saying again, Canada. And I said, okay, so I guess I'm moving to Canada back home. Yeah. So I ended up, ended up moving back home to go work at the same job I had when I was in high school in the shoe department stacking shoes after I had experienced all of this wow. opportunity. Um, the Lord spoke to me and he said, I want you to work on your love walk. So you just love the people around you. And actually it was a Muslim lady who was my boss. And she looked at me one day when I was counting the, the finances at the end of the night. And she said, Crystal, I feel like you're called to the nations. <laughs> wow. She said, she said, what are you doing here? You should be working with nations. <laughs> That's <laughs> just, incredible. Yeah, why so, would you say that? Why? Do you why? probably just to encourage you, you know, because when God takes you in a season yes. of wilderness, as the Christian church says, where you, nobody knows your name, you're not on a platform, you don't have a microphone, you don't have, um, you're not really known, but you know, God's just, you know, digging out that stuff inside of you. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, sometimes it's painful. So just to have those reminders in the middle of the wilderness can be really encouraging. And it's almost, God says, set your sights on faith. Like, see what I'm seeing, not what you're currently presently seeing. So, wow. mm -hmm. Now, talk to us about uh, what you're doing today. So you're, you're obviously doing um, I'm Compelled, uh, as well as the First People's Voices. So how did that come about? How did you step into that? What led to it? And, and what's it all about? What exactly mm -hmm. are you guys doing through those two platforms? Yeah, absolutely. So um, when I came to, when I came back home to Canada, the first person to offer me a job back in the ministry after a year was Brian Warren at Canada in Prayer. And he had said, um, Crystal, we need to track revival. God is doing things across this nation. 
you need to find out what he's doing. And I would, I had a thousand people on a call list and I called a thousand people during that year to find out what God was doing in the different communities. I'd found out that in Northern Nineveh, believers had gathered to do a healing of the land and they said flowers were growing back Fish were in ample supply. They said, it's mind-blowing what God is doing up in the north. And then potato farmers in Manitoba, their land, um, their crops actually had been, um, they weren't producing potatoes. Actually, all the potato farmers weren't producing potatoes as they were supposed to. So the one farmers that were Christians went out on the land, started praying over the land, decreeing over the land. And that harvest season, they had more potatoes than they knew what to do with it. And so they've just experienced, so we were just tracking what God, Mm -hmm. you know, unity on the East coast, unity on the West coast. It was just a powerful time Mm -hmm. from there. Um, Fatine Grzeski, uh, had for my Canada. So she actually didn't know me from Adam. And she said, I have this position, a media position, um, media and communications. Um, what do you think? And so I ended up taking the position with her served faithfully for four years, um, you know, ministering with the prime minister, you know, back and forth with MPs and senators being a voice for righteousness in Canada. And from that point, God had birthed this whole concept of I am compelled in my heart, Hmm. which was getting into the education system to uh, remind a generation of those who have gone before us Mm. and, and painting that picture of the proverbial baton being passed through the ages, landing in their hands and asking the question, what are you compelled to do Mm. to build on those who have gone before us Mm. making wrongs, right. And, um, so we, we just launched, I said, I I was telling you before we had a ghetto show. We had, two actors who could barely act a media screen and a guitar. And we, we went into the schools and the team would pray before they went in. And Holy spirit said to us in this one low income school, he said, I'm rerouting suicide in the school today because Mm. you came. Wow. Mm -hmm. Crystal, I want to ask you a quick question here. Uh, You know, uh, part of, I want to sort of break down the way you think. One of the things as as we're talking, I see a person that's willing to take risks. I see somebody that's on the move. I see somebody that's like, okay, well, let's just do what we can with what we have. Uh, But a lot of times what holds us back is, you know, we want everything lined up. We want all the resources. We want, we don't want those, you know, two guys that can't really act and that, you know, the one guitar player and all that. We want a whole big production. We want everything, you know, figured out before we go in. And, I'm not saying that can't happen. I'm just saying that, I don't know. I talk to a lot of people that they don't start there. They start where you started. So break that down for us. What's the thinking? How do you process that when, when doubt attacks you and, and, or, or you feel like, man, what is this? Is this even good enough? Like, are we really making a difference? How do you, how do you work through those thoughts and those emotions? Right. So for, for I don't know what everybody else does, but for me, uh, I just fasted and prayed. Honestly, I know it sounds so cliche, but mm-hmm. when I every time I did a fast, it opened. I was I found myself in, um, for example, I was fasting this you know one day, and I found myself at the library, and I said, you know, why am I here? And uh, ended up going into the library, and they had one of the school boards was having an open meeting for anybody in the community to discuss some of the hot topics. And I went into the room and I just remember thinking they had said the entire focus of our curriculum is on First Nation, Métis, and Inuit. 
Indigenous studies. And so <clears throat> I was sitting in that meeting and I, I felt like Holy Spirit said, I want you to stand up and ask a question. I said, if you give me the question, I will stand up and I will ask it. He said, stand up and ask a question. And I remember thinking, if you give me the question, I will stand up and I will ask it. Right. And um, so, so you just have to be crazy enough to step out in faith. You have to be crazy enough that if God put a concept in your heart, God's not going to do the work for you. You just need to start doing the work. People used to say all the time, you know, you know, Crystal, how did you get, I am compelled from point A to point B. I said, I took one year to research every Canadian history book. So I would work. And then every night I would be you know, at the local library doing research, kids books, encyclopedias, just trying to dig deeper. And, um, you know, I always tell people I didn't feel the glory. <laughs> I said, I didn't feel the anointing. I just did the work. <laughs> and, um, you know, and I remember even, um, we had no equipment. We, how are you supposed to do a, an assembly show with no equipment? And I remember, you know, praying and fasting and the Holy Spirit said, go to Long and McQuaid, map out everything you need. And so I did it by faith and the total was 3000 bucks for speakers, poles, sound system, you know, projector screen. And literally two days later, friends of mine, Hey, we didn't want to tell you just in case it didn't happen, but we applied for a grant on your behalf. Checks in the mail. You got it. And when I opened that check, it was $3,000. And God said, he said, the only thing left for you to do is to go. So we just had to call school boards, pitch them our program, you know, um, find actors who may not necessarily know how to act, but, you know, have a passion and they have some type of skill. And we just went for it. And so from there to where we are now is more structured, is more professional. We've got a backdrop. We've got everything. But had we not started with the little that was in our hands, we wouldn't have never gotten to where we are now. And not saying that it was easy. Because when you're pioneering, you're making no money. Right. Um, you know, you're you're killing yourself to get stuff up and running. But that's that's the nature of a pioneer. And I look back on those those years, and it was four years ago or five years ago, and I wouldn't trade it for the world. Because now today, I'm able to um, pass off some more responsibility to our team, who are just ready to take it. Right. And um, you know, they don't have they didn't have to slug like I did. They actually get the benefits of of being on tour, <laughs> whereas wow. I just did everything for free. But um it was worth it. It was a sacrifice and God honors that. God honors sacrifice. And if you're faithful with little, more will be given, I'm convinced. So you've really got to put your faith out there for what what's little is in your hands right now has the has the potential to grow to be something bigger mm-hmm. and actually provide for you and actually um, get you going. Um, how do you stay encouraged um, when not like you talked about the friends that believed in you and applied for the funding for you, which is awesome. And, you know, we all need those people, you know, in our corner. What about the people that don't believe in you? How do you deal with that? How do you process that? How do you, what's your attitude towards them? Or, or have you experienced that? Maybe I'm assuming. Have you experienced people that didn't really believe in what you were doing and where you were going and didn't think it was going to work out? Uh, I think I think everybody comes in contact with people. Like, sorry, everybody comes in contact with um, with the potential to be discouraged. And so if, if you were to ask me how many times did I cry <laughs> at night <laughs> during those first two years of plowing. Um, I could, you know, he collects every tear in a bottle. There's probably about 50,000 bottles up in heaven. And um, 
And tears that no one else sees, right? That's tears that no one, yeah. You know, and I always say this to young people too, because when people always hear the stories of faith regarding I am compelled and our journey of faith, they say, you know, how, wow, how did you do it? Or, you know, what's your secret? And I just say death, <laughs> death to self. Wow. Like when Jesus, when Jesus said, lay down your life, he, he meant it. And that can be, that can be so misconstrued in our North American context because we think laying down our life is, okay, I'll just put my cell phone down for a half an hour and I'll just try and focus on worship. But when Jesus said, give me everything, everything, everything that you have, um, that's death because everything that you want, that you've desired, that you've, you know, maybe dreams and goals that you had aspirations that I had when I was a kid to be a reporter. This is kind of really? okay. Um, I laid it down to follow the call of God on my life and that just so happened to look like a ministry context. It looked like educational charity context. Um, but when I see what God does, when we lay stuff down for him, he gives it back. And so now what we're doing with First People's Voices yes. is, is actually more reporter, host, you know, getting out there. And so I said, would you look at that, God? I said, um, you can't, you won't be disappointed. So, so to, to find yourself in really discouraging moments, God always provides. He always provides. You don't need a thousand people. You just need one person in your corner. Yes, Jesus is in our corner, but he always is faithful. You know, those friends who, who connected me with that $3,000 grant so many years ago were not necessarily in connection anymore, but God knew exactly what I needed. And he knew that I was going to not give up, which is probably your next point is do not give up. And every time I was about to give up the next day, we had, we experienced some radical connection or favor or appointment that had I given up, I wouldn't have gotten to that point, which actually leveraged us for the next, the next leg of the race. So, wow. Um, so tell us a little bit now about first people's voices then what, what is it? What exactly do you guys do? And uh, and uh, I know it's, it's got to do with TV production, uh, all of that. So tell us a little bit about it. Mm-hmm. So first, people's voices are segments on 100 Huntley Street of uh, stories by First Nation, Métis, and Inuit. So the really, so this, all these worlds are going to collide now. Okay. So when I was pioneering, I am compelled. My dad told me that my cousin got his Métis status card. Oh. And I said, oh, uh, so if my cousin got it, that means I'm Métis. Thanks, Dad. And um, I just felt the Lord said, apply for your status card. Everyone thought I was crazy, but I said, I really feel like I'm supposed to apply to get it. And I found out that in my generational line, I'm connected to Louis Rial, who is the father of the province of Manitoba. So he founded one of the fathers of confederation. He was hung for treason um, for being a justice advocate, entrepreneur, pioneer, for the Métis so that they could preserve their culture. They said, um, some people argue that he was a bona fide prophet where he actually could hear the audible voice of God. And, um, and he said, you know, there's tons of quotes by him out there. You know, it's only by the grace of God that I'm the founder of Manitoba. So that's my generational line. And when I discovered that, my mind was blown. So in order to work in this position with, 100 Huntley Street with Crossroads, you have to be indigenous in order to lead the indigenous segments on <laughs> 100 yes. Huntley Street. So they, 
Um, so we've been doing that. We've been traveling. I've been on 17 planes this year. Um, I'm a little tired, but I'm energized because it's purpose. And the reason why we're doing it is because the Truth and Reconciliation Commission released 94 calls to action. And a section of those 94 calls to action is directed right at the church, right at the body of believers. And um, they'd said, what are you going to do about the residential schools where the church mandated um, 6,000 kids were stripped from their homes. Actually, sorry, over 150,000 were taken from their homes. 6,000 that we know of died in those schools because of lack of nutrition, because of poor treatment. Thousands were abused. And we're dealing, today we're dealing with the ramifications of those things that happened. And so when you look at first people's voices, it's, it's getting God's heart heartbeat at the table and um, fighting for their voice in Canada because I truly believe that when we get that right, then everything else falls into place. Um, restoring honor, breaking stereotypes. Um, and if you go into these communities, if, if anybody ever gets a chance to bring you or if you want to come with us, you do, you're more than I'd welcome to. to. Um, yeah, done. I'll keep you posted now. Uh, awesome. Is that we have, um, we have the most precious people in these communities they're hidden gems. People don't even know about them. And um, they're just so primed for revival. Like the young people, suicide is the number one leading cause of death among Indigenous communities between the ages of 12 and, and 40. And so you've, you've, got, you've got a harvest field in Canada. You've got hundreds, if not thousands of kids walking around like zombies waiting for somebody to tell them about the love of God so that they can find their place and be a voice so that's kind of a little bit. Uh, Crystal, I, um, it's, it's funny, we're talking about this. I have had a desire in my heart maybe for the last uh, four or five years um, to, to go up into those communities and to speak, especially with young people, et cetera. But, you know, the doors have never opened really. And I, um, you know, I, I haven't tried to push them open either. Mm-hmm. Um, Talk to us a little bit about this. You know, sometimes when I hear stories like this, it just um, it just wrecks me because I'm thinking in our own nation, you know, where we have so many churches and so many Christians. And I, I speak in a lot of churches, part of what we do in our ministries. I'm, I'm in a lot of churches. Mm-hmm. I hardly ever, 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 ever hear about First Nations peoples or going into those communities, serving them. I mean, I hear about Africa, I hear about South America, I hear about the Caribbean and people going in or India, you know, and that's awesome. That's amazing too. But, but I just don't hear about it. And I'm not saying people aren't doing stuff or people aren't supporting, um, you know, missions work that's happening in those places. I just don't hear the conversations around that. Um, so maybe, I don't know, break it down a little bit more. Give us, mm-hmm. give us some insight. If someone's listening and maybe God is speaking to them about this, to get involved, to serve, to help, to do whatever they can to make a difference in those communities, especially with these young people. Um, w- what are the needs like? What is it that, that, mm-hmm. that you, know, you would say, man, this is what they really need. This is how we can help. Mm-hmm. So I love this question. Uh, you, with, with Indigenous you can't have an agenda. There's, you can't, so many, I mean, they've had so much mistreatment over the history that you can't go in thinking that you're going to save them or that, you know, you know, that the hope that you carry is going to be, you know, the thing that shifts the nations, you know, Mm -hmm. um, Last summer, I moved to Saskatchewan because we had an opportunity through I Am Compelled to partner with 
uh, Marvin and Dolores Netmaker, they're pastors in Saskatoon. And I moved there, moved my life, didn't have an agenda. Everywhere they went, I went. It was in the summer. So we went to tent meetings. We went to camp meetings. We drove, we were in a CRV, squished together like sardines (laughs) for 10 days. And, um, you know, I just went and I said, Lord, before I left, I got this um, image. Um, anyways, it, it was just a graphic that my uncle, he's a big history buff. He mm-hmm. said, did you know that on this day, um, you know, the Can- Royal Canadian Air Force allowed women to be pilots and the graphic is a woman and it says, she serves so that men may fly. And so the Lord had said, just go and serve your heart out. Don't have an agenda. And at the end of the six weeks, um, you know, I cooked cooked with them. I ate with them. We did campouts. We did Bannock. We did everything. And um, they said, Crystal, you didn't, you didn't, this is why we love you is because one, you're Métis. And two, uh, you know, you just came to serve. You didn't come to try and make a name for yourself. And I said, well, why would I, you know, right. you guys are it and you've got something to bring to the table. So because of that, we were able to pioneer Project Hope, which was uh, uh, our first ever youth event weekend for First Nation youth from across the province. We had a $4,000 budget. We had planned for 150 kids. And when I say $4,000 budget, we didn't have it in the budget. So we just said, okay, we were believing God for $4,000. By the time registration closed, just under 400 registered, jacked our budget up to 65,000. But we had... $20,000 come through our our organization within a week and a half just because people registered. So when you, I'm trying to describe some of the communities. Yes. When the kids came into this event, you could feel the heaviness. You could feel the weightiness. You could feel the oppression because their parents had been in residential school. So because their parents were in residential school, their coping mechanism is alcohol and drugs. And that's what people don't realize. When you go into a community and you see the rundown, the no value, when you, when you feel the, the ugliness in the atmosphere, it's because there's a, nobody is speaking hope. Nobody is speaking love. Nobody's speaking truth. It's almost like those negative stereotypes right. are keeping them where they are. Mm. But when we provided an opportunity for kids to come to a safe place where we conditioned the atmosphere and we said, God, if you don't show up, we're all screwed. <laughs> um, he showed up and they heard a different message. They heard a message of, I am valuable. I am so loved. And here's the tangible evidence is that God just ministered to my heart. Like God ministered to my heart. So people need to understand, we need to understand as a nation that this is the first time in our history where things are actually starting to come to the forefront. Um, The history wasn't swept under the rug, but it's, this is what, and these are the communities. There's 633 First Nation reserves across Canada. Hmm. There's um, Inuit communities, Northern Nineveh, you know, all of Nineveh, Northwest Territories. And then you've got Métis settlements across, across this land. And um, they're, not, they're not pushing people out. They want the help. They want people to come in, but they don't want it to be your agenda. They want it mm-hmm. to be, come and cook with us, come and eat with us. Wow. And so if people can do that, if they can, you know, pray for an open door or if they can you know, connect with an organization that's already going in, just come and just, just serve and watch what God will do. It's yeah. Powerful. 
I don't know if that answered your question. Yeah, no, it does. uh, And I think, you know, and that's, that's great perspective as well. You're right. Sometimes we have the savior mentality, right? I'm just going to come in and, you know, parachute in and I'm going to just, you know, change everything because we did two services or two meetings or serve some people for, for a weekend. Um, But, uh, you know, it, to connect with them, to relate to them, to to do life with them. Uh, can I say hard. one? Can I say one more thing? Yeah. So I said the first peoples were they're used to being over evangelized and under discipled. Oh. So when I was there last last year, when I lived there, I got so mad at my church in Ontario. Not mad at my church, but I was yeah. mad because we have all the wealth, all the resources. You know, things things like budgets. How do you do a budget? Simple things. How do you lead a worship team? How do you build a worship team? They are over evangelized and under discipled. So if people, if people have a business that's financial planning and they connected with somebody who has a relationship, because that's your key is that it's relationship is so important. It's not about what you can bring. It's about, do you want to be my friend? And when you build relationship with me and then you say, hey, I have this financial course. I would love to offer it to your church. I would love to lead, you know, I would love to lead a workshop on the weekends to help you build your worship team. I would, you know, bring, bring them value to their lives, help them understand. Sozo is a huge thing all over the place. Do you know how many First Nation people need Sozos? <laughs> like everyone, inner healing is a huge thing. And, um, you know, don't just evangelize, but disciple. Do what Jesus said, disciple the nations of the earth. Wow. Well, that's, that's awesome. And I hope that someone listening is saying, you know what, we can do that. We can help with that. So uh, Crystal, just to uh, wrap up here um, and I'm going to get you to share information, how people can connect with you at the end as well. If they have more questions of mm-hmm. pastors, uh, we have a lot of pastors that listen to this podcast If pastors are listening and they want to connect. Uh, we'll get you to share your information, uh, contact information with them as well. Uh, I just want you to talk to the person uh, for a minute or two. That's that, that senses a call, has a dream. Um, God is waking them up in the middle of the night like he did, uh, you know, with you in California. And he's speaking a word to them, giving them a vision, but they're afraid. They're just not stepping in. And it's interesting. I, I've been sort of taking some notes as we've been talking and, you know, you're saying things like, you know, faith to just do something, get moving. I love when you said when you were in that library, the Holy Spirit said, just stand up. And a lot of people just need to stand up, you know, just need to stand up and say, you know what, I'm going to, I don't know what I'm going to say and I don't know how it's going to work, but I'm not going to just sit back and relax anymore. I'm, I'm going to stand up and, um, and do something uh, with what God's calling me to do. What would you say to that person that's doubtful, that's fearful, that may not have a lot of people in their corner that, you know, that's saying to them, yeah, I believe you can do it. Maybe it's the opposite. Um, how would you encourage them today? Right. So I'm trying to put myself back in that situation. <laughs> that's great. Uh, I would say, you know, you need to start pumping yourself. The faith comes by hearing and hearing. So for me personally, I just kept reading stories of Joshua. I kept reading stories for lepers. You know, if we stay here, we die. If we go there, we die. We might as well stand up. And the moment right. they stood up. Yes the Lord caused their enemies to hear the sound of a mighty army. So just pumping yourself with good Mm. preachers, you know, (laughs) I've never heard you preach, but you know, listen to, (laughs) listen to this guy right here. Um, But just, just start getting the fear out of your heart because whatever's in your heart is going to start dictating your actions. 
get the fear out, cut it out like you would cancer, deal with that. Um, get in God's face, you know, do something that, you know, sit on a chair and don't move from that chair until the Lord, you know, moves, just do something radical that would, that would just bust you out of your normal everyday kind of patterns and cycles. Um, reach out. There's so many people with prayer lines. So if you, if fear is the number one issue, then reach out, get, get a prayer partner, um, you know, join a prayer call, join a ministry that's full of faith. I don't do something that you can deal with that. Number one, number two would be, what can you do today? So for, I am compelled when we didn't really know what it was. We just had this concept in our heart. Um, so I, for us, I started going to the library every, every night. And then when I had enough content to develop a show, a theater show, I said, okay, I sat at a boardroom, boardroom table, actually here at Crossroads every night. And I just said, okay, what is this thing, God? And I just started piecing ideas together. So obviously that was coupled with prayer and fasting and prayer and saying, okay, God, I don't, I don't really know what to do next, but I'm just going to do what I know to do because I can't wait on you because, well, I'm waiting on you. People who don't have God are changing the nation and all they have is their natural mind. How much, how much greater should we with our natural mind and the spirit of God and the mind of Christ be able to create? Wow. What a great perspective. I've never mm-hmm. heard that before. Yeah. People are changing our nation uh, without the spirit of God. Uh, and, uh, and we're sort of sitting around saying, well, I'm just sort of waiting, waiting to see what God does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So don't wait. Yeah. So I would, I would just encourage those people. um, You can do it. Like Mm. you can do it. So Mm. if you've got a dream, a business idea, a concept, if you have a burden for a specific people group, just start, start with your, the sequence. So I always say the sequence of my life has always been young people, arts, theater, drama, um, media. So I just started with that thread that's been in my life for the last 10 years. And I said, okay, God, how can you take this? What can I dream? Mm. Maybe you just need to spend a day in a room with a whiteboard and just start, you know, drafting up concepts. I don't know how many CEOs I sat with in the last three years, just asking questions, booking meetings, people who didn't know me from Adam. I remember I sat with a multimillionaire for four hours, just hashing through the different concepts. So just find people, um, ask people. um, And that's usually start with wisdom, seek wisdom, try to find where wisdom is. So maybe I'm just trying to figure out examples of what people might be you know, brewing over maybe business is the biggest one. Find a businessman in your community, find a businessman in your church, find a businessman somewhere and ask them for 15 minutes of their time and just say, I have this concept. You know, what did you do? How did you start? Get books, read, you know, do the grunt work and watch what God can do with that little bit of knowledge that he gives you. That's good. Wow. Crystal, we're out of time, but what an amazing, um, uh, podcast this has been and just talking to you and your story. I know I'm super encouraged, inspired, uh, uh, moved, uh, and uh, thank God for your life and all that he's he has done and is doing through you. And, uh, and this is obviously just the beginning. If people need to get in touch with you, mm-hmm. how would they do that? If they want information about I'm Compelled and First People's Voices, et cetera, what's the best way 
uh, for people to connect. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I'm just going to give you what's easiest. It's iamcompelled.ca. You go to our website and then um, there's there's a link to contact us. You can email us there or you can email us at info at I-A-M-C-O-M-P-E-L-L-E-D. I am compelled.ca. And then from there, I I can connect for the media, for first people's voices or for everything. That's just the easiest way. Awesome. So if you're listening to this, please make sure you do that and connect with Crystal. Uh, And, uh, you know, I I just, uh, I'm just so blessed. Thank you, Crystal. Appreciate you being on the podcast. Yes. Thank you so much. You're awesome. Keep going. Thanks, Crystal. Take care. Bless you. Friends, I hope you were encouraged with that conversation that I just had with Crystal. Please make sure to check out her website at iamcompelled.ca. That's I-A-M-C-O-M-P-E-L-L-E-D.ca. And you can also send her an email if you need more information about her ministry at info at iamcompelled.ca. Listen, friends, I am so grateful that you've tuned in uh, today and I know your time is valuable. I want to thank you for trusting me uh, with these few moments. And I hope that our time together today has encouraged and inspired you to continue to pursue God's mission for your life. And by the way, if this episode has blessed you, please leave a review on iTunes or Google Play. And I'd love to hear from you. Email me at missionconnect@passiontoreach.com. Friends, remember to check out prism.study for our school of ministry and the classes that are coming up. With that, I want to let you know that's all for today. Make sure you join us next time for another episode of the Mission Connect podcast. You've been listening to the Mission Connect podcast. Join us next time for more insights on how you can live out God's mission for your life. 